Welcome swimmers and swimmers. I'm your host today, Garrett McCaffrey. Our guest today is a coach who has done something that very few coaches have done, and that's start a college swimming program from scratch. Quincy University started or restarted their swimming and diving team this past season in 2022 and 23, and their head coach, Brian Christensen, is our guest today. This is the Swim Swam Podcast. Thanks so much for making the time. Yeah. How are you? And how hello swimmers and swammers, <laughs> as you call them. But uh thanks thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us some perspective. Um, the first season appeared to go pretty well and wasn't without its controversy. And I want to get to all that, but first I kind of want to go back to the beginning to give some perspective on you know how something like this starts when you're initiating a program and and to be clear Quincy had a program for a year year and a half um and then was cut in 2016 but reinitiated it this past season um I guess my my first question is how did you hear about this job and the chance to kind of come in as the uh the head coach that was going to get it back on track sure and um yeah, you know, a couple things. We had, they had two full seasons of, of a women's only program, um, kind of back in the day, and um, the college went through a, a lot of stuff. I mean, I've talked to the president a lot. Um, the mostly didn't work because it just couldn't really scale with with women only. I think with with men and women that we have now, um, you know, we were able to bring in a little bit more money to the college. I'm sorry, it's a shocking that college programs do exist too bring tuition dollars <laughs> to the college. Um, but with, with, uh, they only had, they didn't really have a, a big team back then. Um, they had some really, really fast girls though, like some really legit people. Um, but you know, for a lot of reasons, it didn't really work out. And then they kind of restarted that. So for me, um, personally, well, I was the head coach of a school called Frostburg state university. I don't know why I keep picking weird things in my career. When I was at Frostburg, we were a D three school that transitioned to D two while I was there. So I'm sure that helped my resume a little bit that I'm <laughs> um, used to kind of uh, rechanging culture and adapting to, uh, you know, chaos and kind of stuff. So, um, but the big thing why I was really looking to move is, is my, my wife uh, is an attorney in Illinois. And so I, I was in Maryland. She's in Illinois. That's obviously a tough, um, <laughs> tough way to have a relationship uh, when we're 10 hours apart. So I was just looking at um, Illinois jobs and Quincy. I love the ability to start a new program. That's really interesting to me. Um, to me, it was all about like, like creating a good culture from the get go. And like, you know, whether we succeed or not, it would all be on me, which I really wanted that responsibility. Um, I always thought of it as like, you know, a lot of times you'll come into a place and trying to like re-steer the ship that's going in the wrong direction. To me, starting a new program was just pushing it out of the dock in the right direction, which I was very excited for that. Um, Quincy is very similar to my alma mater, Hiram College, which is a, is a tiny, tiny school. It's a D3 school in um, northeastern Ohio. Uh, Quincy is about 1,200 students. Uh, so we really have that, that small school education. Hiram was 900 when I was there, believe it or not, smaller than Quincy. But um, 
I just, I just loved my time there. I loved access to professors. I loved um, being able to be like a big influence on campus and um, just getting to know people and just really having that, that strong sense of community, um, which my wife and I got at Quincy immediately. And um, we've just, we just had a lot of fun. So um, it was amazing when we, so I applied the, um, the AD called me on like Monday or something. Um, But I was, it was the week I was getting married and I'm like, Hey, I'd love to come interview. Can we, uh, can we wait till next week? I'm getting married on Sunday. (laughs) And um, it was fine. So we got married on Sunday. I think I came on like that Friday and interviewed and I got the job offer uh, like uh, that Saturday or Sunday. So um, I think we bought a house within two weeks. I got married. I got Quincy and we bought a house in Quincy in like two weeks in September, 2021. Uh, which was nice to get all of our life in during that little time. That's starting a lot. That's definitely, you know, starting a new life in Quincy, starting a marriage, starting a a college swim program. Um, What kind of, I guess, confidence did they give you that uh, the program was back to stay? What's the plan to make sure that what happened in 2016 doesn't happen again? I mean, I, I, it, it's not in my mind that the program wouldn't um, go away. I mean, uh, we have a lot of backing from the president, from the athletic director. Um, I just think that Quincy's in a much better spot financially than we were a couple of years ago. I think we, we've literally hired all new people at, at every, every level. Um, I mean, the president literally comes to our meets. I mean, I will literally say like, what other college team can brag about that, that the president is there for their, their home dual meets. Um, but no, we're financially sound. I think we have a reasonable budget. Um, Quincy has added seven sports since um, 2017 when the, when the women's program was cut. Um, so we're in a much more stable position than we were back then. I don't know if you even know the answer to this, but where, where does that money come from? A lot of times, you know, you have endowments, you have fundraising wings. Um, uh, you know, I think that when we see college programs get cut, uh, sometimes there's, you know, uh, save the day fundraisers that kind of raise enough money to initiate the program again, but then sustaining it is another challenge. Um, do you know what the stability and the plan for that stability going forward is right now? I mean, the, the, it's really tuition-based. We're, we're, rev, we're a tuition revenue-based school. Um, so, yeah, you know, our goal, we, you know, we have scholarships to give, but our goal is to still bring in people that are going to pay some money and to be self-sustaining through um, tuition dollars, which may be a shock. Yeah, we're not <laughs> – you, you are paying for us to be here, mm-hmm. uh, recruits out there. So, um I mean, that, that's how we, um, that's our main driver of income, right? We're a small school. Um, we do have an endowment and I think it's, it's very stable, but, um, you know, we're, we're not spending outside of our means. Um, we're, we're, we're using the kids that are, that are here. So you started in the fall of 2021, which means you had a whole year before your first season started. Um, in that year, uh, you know, what did the process look like? Probably not a lot of on deck or any on deck coaching. Obviously, recruiting has got to be goal number one. Um, was fundraising part of that goal too? Is that something that's part of your job at this point, or is that um, something like you're saying that tuition is taken care of? Uh, I mean, we do minor fundraising stuff. Like we have a swim lesson program 
um, to help the community. Uh, we had about how about 50 kids total um, this year between the fall and the, and the spring. But I mean, that's that's honestly minor stuff, right? That, that That's not moving the needle. Um, that just kind of helps our budget a little bit. But, you know, for for year one, um, yeah, it, it was it was only recruiting. Right? It was 100 percent recruiting. Um, it, it's to get a team on campus and, and to get get this program going. Um, I sent probably, uh, you know, 100 emails a day to everybody who I knew and every coach I could find. Um, you know, we had a, a swim cloud subscription. Um, NCSA is probably our, our big ones, um, just finding people. And then it's just getting our, our name out there. Like we had a lot of people come to us, which was surprising. I think we had um, a swim sam article about some kids said that they, um, I think, I think we wrote an article about restarting the program back in October or something. And some kids saw that and the kid wants to be part of a new program. They kind of uh, directed themselves that way. So um, a lot of international students, um, part of that was through either recruiters or again, a lot of them just found us somehow. Um, but yeah, we kind of, uh, we had some local kids. We had some, some walk on some current Quincy students who had SRAM in high school obviously hadn't swam here um, who, who walked on and, and were great for us. It was great having a little bit of um, experience. Then we had a couple transfers. Um, uh, it, it's, it's funny. We had a couple, uh, we took some from, I shouldn't say it's funny. It's hor horrible. Uh, other programs that had shut down, but we, we did have some local schools closed kind of in the area and we were, um, like we were able to kind of give them a, give them a hand and, and let them finish out their careers with not too much of a geographic change, which was uh, a good thing for them. Um, but were you we, able to uh, do recruiting trips? Yeah. Yeah. We, I went all over the place. I mean, I went to Kansas, Oklahoma, Chicago. Uh, I went to South Dakota, um, Iowa, quad cities around here. Um, I was in the road quite often <laughs> we did we did quite a bit how about on campus were you able to bring any of the athletes to campus in quincy oh yeah we we had people on campus um obviously not for like an overnight because we didn't have anybody you know in the dorms in the stay with but uh a lot of day visits um i mean pretty much everybody i think i think all of our american kids had an, had at least a day visit um, not so much with our internationals, of course, but um, yeah, everyone was able to get on campus. Um, but yeah, I would go watch practices. Um, I'm trying to make some connections. Obviously, I was in Maryland and New York for a while. I, I don't know that many people in Illinois, but um, you know, we're starting to build up our just contacts. We um, there's there's two local clubs: uh, the Sheridan Swim Club in Quincy and um, the Hannibal YMCA across the river in Hannibal, Missouri. Um, we, I did a lot of state visits with them. Um, and um, so we were just always trying to see as many people as you can. Hustling, hustling. So always I, mean, I guess, you know, you there's no other way if you're starting something from scratch. What was your selling point? How do you get somebody to come on when, you know, you can't say, look at our results or this is where we finished a conference or this or that. How? Do, what was your selling point when you were talking to these recruits? Yeah, I mean, we, we never tried to be anything that, that we're not. Um, you know, our selling point was that, like, 
yeah, you know, you get to start your own culture here. You get to kind of be the first person. Um, you get to have a, a bigger stamp on a program. Um, you know, and we use that and, and we still do that. And I'd like to have this mentality forever that, you know, we're not trapped in the way we've done things for 20 years because that's the way we've already done them and, and we've never innovated. I think we're a very um, innovative team. I think that we are able to try things that we, we couldn't really do or, or maybe you wouldn't be bold enough to do if you have like success. Like like we had a, we had kick week this year, which was fun. We just kicked for a week and um, see what happened. I think our kick got a lot better. Um, we might not be so bold as, as to do that if you're an established program. Maybe you got a conference championship on the line. You're not going to like make these big swings. So it's certainly a specific type of kid. And our numbers, you know, we didn't get like a ton of people. We got 10 men and, and six women year one, which, you know, is not like the biggest team, but we were happy with it for year one. Um, and so I think we're looking at a very specific kind of kid who, who wants to strike on their own, wants to be a little bit bold, maybe a little more adventurous. Um, if you're someone who just wants to like, you know, plug and play and be the eighth person on the depth chart and not really, you know, get the spotlight, then we're just not the spot for you <laughs> in year one. I think we're getting there in year three. Um, you know, we're already up to uh, currently right now. So this, oh, recruiting never ends <laughs> in 2023. Um, we've got 12 men and eight women coming in. Um, in addition to obviously we're not graduating anybody. Nobody has communicated to me that they want to quit or transfer so far. Well, sometimes this, the temptation of summer when you're not swimming, <laughs> we'll see what happens in the fall. Um, but I, I got to really see us losing anybody. I think we're pretty locked in. Um, yeah, nobody's been in the portal. So we'll be a, a much bigger team in the fall. And so I think we'll, we'll get to that zone. But I think year one, um, we did remarkably well with, with our, our studs. I think especially on the men's side, um, you know, fast, um, knuckleheaded dudes that just wanted to like, Hey, cool. I can, I can be on a relay. I can, I can get, you know, playing time. Awesome. In. And, uh, we did really well with that. And I think, um, you know, the women too, I think women, it's funny. I was talking to a softball coach about like the difference between men and women. And we were just killing on the men's side and the women were just like struggling with. And I was saying this to our softball coach and she was like, yeah, well, of course the women want to be part of, um, you know, a community, they want an established program. They are a little more social. Um, they're a lot smarter than men who just want to show up and go fast. So um, we're getting there on the women's side. We're going to be like 13-ish women next year. Um, so I think we're, we'll start getting that on the women's side. Um, but yeah, the women we have is like, hey, yeah, you're, you're going to be on, on a relay and you're going to be you know, kind of in the spotlight and uh, just having a lot of fun. So we got the people who respond to that and um, we'll keep moving forward. Yeah, your hustle really, you know, paying off. And it's interesting, an obstacle like that is not something that you would consider going in. Were there any other kind of surprise obstacles kind of leading up to the first season? I want to get into some of those knuckleheads and talk a little bit about the kick week and some of those specifics and we can kind of nerd out on swimming, but just still fascinated by the whole process of, you know, starting from scratch. Were there any other obstacles or surprise challenges that came up before you actually got to get on deck and coach? Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's so many things that um, you just assume, right. You take for granted, but you realize that 
th- th- there's mechanisms in place that cult mostly culturally um like um you know the, the seniors and upperclassmen will kind of handle that uh me and the coaching staff had to kind of take that spot like we had to be a little more hands-on with that kind of stuff um in terms of other things i don't know you know i just kind of i probably found success because i didn't necessarily think of us that way um when i was doing it i think i've honed my pitch pretty well um and and for sure like if any coach says that they're not a hustler like they're definitely they're lying to you um but you know, I, I just, we kind of pitched and I kind of, you know, I, I have a plan pretty clear in my head um, in terms of like training and what you want to do. I, I think I succeeded because I didn't think too hard about it. I'd say, hey, if they're on the phone with me, they're interested. I don't need to justify that we're a new program. They know that they still picked up the phone. I am sure we lost a lot of people that never answered my email who didn't want to be part of a new program. But they weren't on the phone with me. If you're on the phone, you know we're, we're trying to get you to uh, to to come here. Just just selling on our training and what we've done, and and we were very successful at Frostburg State. Um, we climbed up every year there. Um, our women won a conference championship the year after I left. So whatever that always stays a little bit, but I'm very happy with them. And the men won this past season. So, um, and both men and women won the Mountain East championship this year. So. I knew I was doing something right at, at Frostburg. I could kind of sell on that. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of betting on yourself and, and knowing hopefully things are things are going well. You kind of alluded to this earlier, but how did that transition from uh, D3 to D2 at Frostburg kind of help you? What were the, some of the things that you, like, took from that transition into this transition? Um, I think it's really on that. That's all about the people, right? I think you can, you, know, you, you can sit up there and you know, talk about your culture and like tell the team as much as you want to do. If you don't have the right people that they're never going to buy into that. Um, So it's getting the right people in. Um, Sometimes it's also losing the right people. Any Frostburg alums are are, are watching. Hopefully you know who you are and you you've learned. I actually, I've heard that one kid transferred and did really, really well at his new school. And I couldn't be more thrilled to hear about that. Um, So it's, it's like, just make sure that the people are right. I think um, a lot of people bought in. I think the ones that bought in that transition did really well. Um, some folks didn't, and it's it's really hard, right? Like D two is, I, I think, another caliber than D three. I'm not trying to knock D three. I was a D three swimmer, but you know, we brought in um, you know some more serious athletes. Uh, I think some more folks athletes who, who kind of was were buying into the D two requirements. It's really hard because for those D3 kids, it's not what they signed up for. And um, you know, I think it's hard to, to blame them for anything. I think uh, we had a couple people that really locked in. We had one guy, we transitioned, what was it, his junior year. Um, and his senior year, uh, he was named Summer of the Meat at um, the Mountain East Championship. And then he was named Athlete of the Year at Frostburg State because he set like seven team records with d2 kids um so the kids that bought in they just they just excelled and they they latched on so well they're awesome kids that didn't you know were frustrated and for me like i said it was hard i I felt i felt like i couldn't yell at them you know because it's like yeah this wasn't what you when you had a recruit call three years ago this wasn't what you were 
thinking. So um, we just try to listen. Um, I think some kids went a different way and that's fine. I always think it's, you know, you're not a bad person for not wanting to swim or something. It's just, it was hard. It's a tough spot. I think our goal was to just kind of, we knew we would have a couple down years and a couple like um, probably thinner roster years as we transitioned. And our athletic director was very supportive of that. Um, Cause we knew it was an investment and I think it has paid off. I think Frostburg's doing really well right now. Um, but it was just, uh, it was a really hard um, just to get everyone on board because it wasn't what they signed up for. Totally. And, you know, a test in patience, like I feel like is, the most reoccurring tests that we have to pass as coaches and learn over and over again. But when you transition from uh, division three to division two, one of the biggest differences is the availability of athletic scholarship. Uh, did they provide scholarships after that transition? Did you have scholarships right away? Um, yeah, it was, it was like super minor though. It was, it was definitely not the 8.1. Um, I remember, I don't think it was, I think it was like 1.9 or something. Um, so it was like, we had it, but it wasn't, wasn't a ton. We were definitely weren't giving a full rise to anybody. Is that similar um, at Quincy while you're starting up the program? Um, we, we have a bit more than that. I'm not going to say exactly, but <laughs> um, we, we are in a, a little bit better spot than that. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's get to the fun stuff here. You talked about, you know, your training um, and your plan. Uh, can we hear a little bit about that? What what kind of plan did you have for the season? Did you break up into groups with a small squad like that? Um, you know, when you hit the ground at, in uh, the fall at some point, finally getting on deck, what was the plan training wise? Um, yes, we definitely split up in groups. Um, we, we didn't really have any true distance people. Um I don't know how that happened. I, I, I tried. <laughs> um, you kind of get the people that are going to show up in year one. Um, so we, we basically had a, a, a pure sprint group, then more of a mid-distance group. Um, we, we got a little more specialized towards the end of the year. We, we had like a, like a, like a uh, stroke specialty, um, like mid, really more of a mid-distance than kind of more of a um, – we really just tried to customize around our athletes. Like we had one mid-distance guy who um, – he was just really, I almost want to get away. I think next year I want to go away from sprint distance and call him more like a high aerobic group and like maybe a pure speed group. Cause that's really, cause our guy, you know, he, he didn't do anything more than a 500, but he was just a high aerobic athlete and he needed a lot more. So we ended up kind of throwing him a little bit more. Um, we had another girl, she won't, she only went up to the thousand, um, which I guess is distance, but, um, but she just wouldn't do the mile. Um, and so I think, but she was, just a, she had high aerobic needs. So we kind of made this, made this little um, high aerobic group that would do a little bit more yards. Um, next year, we're going to have a lot more traditional. We've got some like open water people coming in. Um, some people that do like casual 5Ks and 10Ks and stuff. And so I think our, our that high aerobic group um, will be a little bit more traditional. Um, we use the COA system. I remember straight up Urbancheck. Um, that's, I like the most with distance. I think that gives our practices a nice purpose, a really tangible way we can like track heart rate and, and adaptations and make sure that we're doing what we need to do. Um, so our distance, they'll pour it on and they'll have a lot of fun. Um, our sprint is very untraditional. <laughs> um, we are really power-based, uh, 
they did so i so i i ran our what was a mid-distance i'll probably run a distance next year um then our assistant coach he ran sprint um you know they're barely doing more than three thousand a day it's almost all um um race pace stuff um we did like a longer team warm-up i think we might even warm up separately next year um i just think that their needs are just so much different but um we hit power towers a lot we'll do drag socks a lot um we've done we do all kinds of stuff we'll do uh uh med balls um we do a lot of a lot of core a lot of cord swimming um well it's almost all just fast <laughs> at fast pace i think next year i'd like to move into we, we almost did like no aerobic i don't think we had any aerobic <laughs> practices with our sprinters last year i think we want to add a little more i think our like base fitness could have been better um we might add like one or two aerobic mornings a week with our sprint group um again not like super high probably three to four thousand of just kind of stretch out yards um and so then then we'll have a mid-distance group to me mid-distance all about lactate tolerance right if you're um looking physiology physiologically you've got Right, your your ATP, quick energy, um, and then you're working anaerobic for, depending on the person, a minute fifteen to a minute thirty. Um, but you know, all your mid distance are two to two to four or five minutes long. Um, a lot of that's just lactate tolerance. So we'll do a lot of race based stuff with them. They'll be a little more than the sprinters. We'll still do some resistance, still do some power training, um, but it's almost all just like lactate tolerance. Uh, I think that's kind of how you are most successful in that, in that 200. Um, but yeah, to sum up, I'd say our distance, we're just trying to get in shape and do as much yards as possible. Sprinters, our goal is to, um, be technically correct while moving as fast as possible. To me, that's the sprint challenge of like, okay, you know, hit race pace every single time. And to me, mid distance is just lactate. So, um, we'll have those three distinct groups going forward next year. This past year, we had basically two, um, well, relatively similar philosophies. I don't think our distance did as much as they probably needed to. Um, we didn't really have any like explicit milers. So we, we really try to customize based on who we actually have, which is also an advantage, right? We're not going to put you in a group because that's the group that exists. We really try to look at what our athletes are doing and then kind of base our training around that. Is that something you can do with a small group, but maybe it gets more challenging as the roster grows? It's challenging, but um, not impossible. And I think, you know, so we're adding a GA, so we're going to have a, a, a bigger staff. Um, and then we, we really have a lot of access to our pool, so we can do a lot of different, um, like we're going to alternate mornings between sprint and distance to kind of get their doubles in. And then um, we'll have three distinct groups. Oh, so we have a six lane train of yard pool. You know, we're not. We're not, we're not showing off to anybody. We're, we have the, we have the basics here. Um, we're going to have like some sprint evenings. We found we could do more like, you know, uh, a power, like a lift and then a power session, like an hour in the evenings, um, 6 or 7 p.m. You know, we don't want to go too late, but then we kind of give distance, mid-distance a little more room. So I like our schedule for next year. It just requires a little bit of creativity. And again, I just think our big advantage is that I don't know if we'll do this every year. I like to start from scratch every year and kind of think, hey, what do we, what will work? Um, and it's funny having a, obviously we'll have like 35-ish people next year. I won't add that much, but probably like 45 to 50 after that and maybe get around 60 and hopefully kind of stabilize then. So we're going to keep adding people every year, which is going to force us to be creative every year. Um, and I always think that there's a way to do it. 
Um, we just need to keep being creative. Where does weight training fit into that equation? I mean, you just laid out some awesome philosophy with, you know, how you're approaching the stuff in the pool. Is there a good strength program going on there? Do you guys have a strength coach and, and a weight room that you're getting into once or twice a week for everybody? I fear sometimes our sprinters are a lifting team that only swims occasionally. <laughs> um, we, uh, we will hit the weight room hard for sure. Uh, about three times a week with our sprinters, about twice a week with our distance people. Um, some of our distance folks will go three times. Um, it kind of depends on their schedule and, and their individual needs. Um, so I'm, I'm a certified strength coach myself. So we did hire a strength coach. Um, he has a great background. He was a Quincy alum, played baseball here, but he, he's never worked for swimmers before. So um, I, I kind of lean on him. And the cool thing about like baseball, it's, it's, you know, very, it's, it's almost the same thing, right? Very shoulder driven. Um, we did a lot of shoulder. My shoulder's creaking from my years of swimming. Um, so we do, because we do a lot of recovery, a lot of band work, a lot of like upper, um, like overhead strength, which, he was able to kind of adapt a little bit. So I, I wrote all of our lifts, um, but I would kind of like lean on him to be our expert. I'd be kind of like, okay, so how, you know, how would you, like, how would you taper off a lift? Or how would you, um, like, I'm looking for, like, we do a lot of pull downs, right? So I'm like, what pull down variations can we have? And he's like, oh, we do like a single arm thing with like a rotational work. We do a lot of rotational, a lot of landmine work. Um, and all that kind of translates from baseball, which is kind of cool. Um, baseball and golf I look at all the rotational sports um, but we generally run um, a lot of compound lifts uh, a lot of Olympic lifts bench clean squat deadlift um, with a lot of variations we do do a lot of overhead I feel like a lot of coaches are afraid of overhead um, I mean we obviously we start with not a lot of weight you know we're, we're not trying to injure anybody um, I always tell our kids this they're like oh deadlift hurts my back I'm like then you're you just you're not strong that's what that means. You need to just do less and, you know, get your form down. Um, and it's hard for like meathead dudes to swallow. But what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, listen, if you're just like moving two inches, you're not actually doing it right. So um, we will, uh, so our strength coach is in there. We have a couple of GAs in there. Um, they kind of monitor form and everything and I default to them, but I'm writing all of our lifts and I'll probably continue to do that. I don't know. We'll see if our strength coach, um, you know, maybe in three or four years when they kind of see what we're doing, they see our results and that they're confident about writing some lifts, we'll, we'll, I would gladly hand it over to them. Um, but it's nice for us to have control over that because then we can adapt like what we're doing in the water. Like we knew if we had a really hard lift, um, we can maybe go a little easier in the swim. Um, likewise, if we have a practice we want, want them to get after, we can you know dial back the lift a little bit and, and kind of just work in conjunction to make sure we're not overtraining and, um, staying in a good spot it's really appreciated insight into kind of your approach to it and a lot of good information sounds like strength and speed is kind of the foundation of everything and uh, I, I completely agree those are the adaptations that we're we're looking for as far as kind of the x factor you know like you said it's all about people um how how would your swimmers describe your relationship with them as far as how you communicate as a coach, not so much the details, um, but yeah, just how that relationship with your swimmers is. I mean, I, I think it's pretty good. I do try to, um, you know, it has to be a balance. Um, Cause you can't be their friend. You gotta be their coach. 
um, I try to be very welcoming. Uh, I had the kids over for like a kickoff barbecue at like my house and over for a Christmas party. Um, I always tell our kids, we, we, you know, I will be there. Um, you know, if, if you are, if you are arrested, I will remind you, my wife is an attorney in town. I will literally be one of the first people to know <laughs> that you are arrested. Um, but, you know, we have them over, uh, we have them, we have bi-weekly meetings, we let them talk about whatever's going on. And I really want to know, I mean, I always tell our kids, like, dude, swimming is such a small part of swimming. <laughs> like, it's everything else that goes on in your life that that really, um, I think, is difficult to deal with. And we tell our kids, well, actually, no, Simon, our kids tell us, like, hey, you know, class is easy. Like, swimming is is hard, but it's easy. But the hard part of college is, is the emotional you know problems it's the um how to like live with people and, and how to deal with people and, and how to understand that that social pressure and so that's something we really try to give them um access to that you know we talk things out and i think our, our meetings i really try to have individual meetings with people and um anomaly about you know grade checks and making sure that their training's okay but we always ask about roommates and um how they're adapting especially freshmen adapt in college um because it can be tough i think even it doesn't i don't care how good you are high school college is tough and it's, it's hard to adapt um but that has to be balanced because we have to make tough decisions right we have to make line of decisions there, there are discipline problems that, that on every team and we have to we have to make those those choices too so um for me i really try to balance like i really try to show them that i care about them as a person because i do um but that doesn't mean I'm going to allow every bad decision they make without consequence. So um, I try to really clearly communicate that. Um, I try to clearly communicate our, our boundaries um, right from the get-go. We had a big uh, freshman meeting yesterday, actually, with the class of 2023. And um, yeah, I told them, like, hey, listen, like, I don't even care if you quit swimming after a week. You've got me for life. I will be your reference. I'll be your recommendation. You can call me. Like, what you are a good person, and it's cool. Um, but I do have some boundaries, right? I, I'm not going to – unless it's an emergency, I'm not picking up the phone after 6 p.m. Um, it is an emergency. Like, I, I, I have driven kids to the hospital before. They're, they're, all, they're okay. But, um, you know, it happens – I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll drive to the hospital. But if you're complaining about the dining room food, I'm, I'm, that's a Monday problem. <laughs> All right. Um, so I, I think I just try to be really clear with um, with kids, be very open for what we need. And I tell them that um, I, I like my job and I would like to do this for the next like 30 years here. And I can't do that if, um, you know, I have 40 people pulling me in different directions constantly because that, that is how coaches get, get burnt out. Um, but you know, I still care about them, and we'll be there when when we really need to be. Um, but just being very, very clear, I think, is a big thing. Um, communication is difficult, um, and we don't always get it right. <laughs> but um, we just try to be upfront with with everything. And and I don't know, the kids seem to. No, like I said, everybody's coming back next year, so uh, I think hopefully we're in a good spot. Yeah. Trust and support with some expectations and boundaries seems like a pretty good equation. Things seem to go pretty well for the the group this year. Um, in particular, Wyatt Walsh was one of the fastest IMers um, in Division Two. 
um, what went so well, what does Wyatt do, um, you know, really well and what, what went so well that with him this season? Wyatt is, uh, uh, he's one of the best swimmers I've ever worked with. And that's all mental. Um, I remember literally we had a meet and the other team had a pretty good IMR and I was kind of going over the meet line up. I'm like, like, okay, this guy goes, um, starts and so time. And why was just like, I don't care. I'm like, all right, dude. He's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to beat him. I'm like, cool, man. Um, He's just, uh, he's a workhorse. Uh, we, dude, all we try to do with him is try to break him in practice. Like, I try to concoct, concoct um, you know, the, the the best sets we can and um, just find a way to, to, to challenge him and um, break him. I think we did, we did a big breaststroke set, a long course on train trip. I think we came close. Um, we just try to throw a lot at him, but, but he's, he works it's crazy. And he's so, um, so it's just a combo of everything, right? And the best have a combo of everything, right? His, his work ethic is tremendous, but he also has a, a tremendous awareness of like his stroke in the water. Um, he like, he doesn't like socks cause they throw off his breaststroke. I sometimes say, well, we want your, we want your breaststroke thrown off cause we want you to make the adaptations. Um, he like, he knows exactly how he's feeling every single day. He knows exactly what he needs for warm up. Um, he knows like, you know, just everything that we, we can throw at him. So I think his, his swim IQ is tremendously high. Um, his work ethic is tremendously high and, and his confidence is tremendously high. Um, I swear that dude has the best starts that I think I've, I've not ever seen, but, um, he'll win so many races just off the dive because his byline is so good. Um, his pullouts. I think he got his stroke down to two in the 200 breaststroke on the first lap. Um, we'll do it. We'll do his counts. He did like two. And then I think he got up to like five on lap eight. Yeah. What a, what, what a, what a piece of garbage, right? Like he'll be his, his counts were like, I think like two, three, like four, four. It was fourth, like the middle. And then I think five, maybe like last 75. Um, he, he's just incredibly efficient. And um, his his right arm kind of like goes to the side. It's the only thing that bothers me. Um, on his entry, he, he like enters and then slides. But um, he's his stroke his stroke is awesome, and it's all byline, it's all balance. Uh, his kick is phenomenal. He does hundreds on one thirty, um, casual kicking, holding like one under one twenty fives. Um, he always wants sets to be faster, and um, he just does it. He's it's it's all him rick really it's it's uh he does a great job yeah it's pretty good you know first season in yards too the pool probably seems pretty short for him so uh well, he, yeah and his um he's done yards before he's done a, a couple u.s meets so he kind of knew the deal coming in but but yeah it's 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 international so it's always an adjustment yeah well he adjusted well and you know posted some times that were worthy of making nc2a's um, but one of those first year hiccups uh, kind of happened in the spring. Can you kind of just walk us through the NC2A rule that kept Wyatt out of NC2As? Yeah, um, I mean, it's a sports sponsorship bylaw that um, you need a minimum of 11 athletes to swim a minimum of eight meets. Um, I think they, they got the eight meets because the maximum 
allowable dates of competition is 16. So they kind of figure you need to do half of that. And the goal of that is um, the minimum number of meets is that you can't just do like four meets and then do nationals, which I really don't know why you, that's a bad thing. Anyway, um, I haven't been found anybody to uh, tell me where the minimum number of um, athletes comes from. If anyone in Cibola is watching this, I will, I would love to hear your rationale. Um, we had, we had 10 on the team. We had nine eligible one, just, he wasn't eligible out of high school and actually he just got eligible. So we'll assume next year he's, he's he got his grades together, which we're very happy about. Um, so we were two people short of the minimum. Um, and though we actually, cause we had a couple quad meets and dual meets. We actually had 12 meets, um, that were able to be counted, which was like way above the, the minimum. Um, so we had 12 dual meets. We had, and then we had conference. Um, actually, I think we had like 15, including our, because we went to three invites that counted. Um, so we, we were well, well, well above uh, the minimum number of meets, but two people short on um, you know, the minimum number of people. And, um, you know, it's it's my fault. Obviously, I didn't really look into the rules until it started looking at why it was going to be close in a couple of weeks, you know, before um, champs. I was kind of looking at the entry process for NCAAs. I'm like, oh, wait, we're not like eligible. Um, so it was, it was a little bit too late then. Like, if I had known, um, that's just my fault, right? Um, uh, it's kind of weird to say, like, if I had known in the fall, I would have ask some injured football players to do some cannonballs and meets as long as they're on a roster it counts, which is, I don't know. That's I'm sure that's not the spirit of the NCAA rule. Um, but you don't even understand what that spirit is. And it doesn't seem like anybody's willing to tell you what it is. So if it would have got a swimmer who had earned the position to NC2As, I don't know that many people would frown upon it. It sounds like it's kind of an unexpected problem because, you know, first year quali- you know, having NC2A qualifiers might not have been, you know, the goal or on the radar, but he just had that good of a season that um, kind of created well, an issue that you weren't expecting. And for sure, like he dropped six seconds in his, in his 4 a.m. for what he came in on. And his 2 a.m. he dropped uh, four. I remember him coming in. He did a 147 in the 2 a.m. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he did drop. And, it's, you know, it's not necessarily an expectation. I told our kids at the beginning of the year, I knew we had some people pretty close. And I was kind of said, this is not an NCAA bust year. Like we're all freshmen. This is year one. I just want to have fun. Um, so yeah, I think it's like it, it's weird to say like, oh, I sh- should have just had random people. And it's like, should we have? Is that like really what we want to? Is that our solution? Like, and I kind of told them like, listen, we got twelve recruits for next year. It's not like we're a a fluff program that you know is going to have the bare minimum every year. Like we we have a a, a very full roster next year and um i don't know they didn't really like our waiver so yeah. how did Wyatt handle it um he he's such a, a calm collected guy um we kind of told him we sat him down and practice uh you know i think it was a couple days before um the selection came out i know it was the day of selection i think um and so we kind of told him and he was just, I was like, Hey, you can keep practicing if you want. I understand if you want to like go home and take the week off or whatever, it's fine. Um, and he was kind of, he took the day off, but when he came back the next day, I was like, we're like, Oh wow, you're, you're back. And he's like, I, 
I hate calling it because who knows it'll happen. But he's like, I just got to win it next year, coach. I'm like, geez, man. All right, dude. Like, you, you got you got some, you got to drop some time to do that. But sure, let, let's take you there. So um, he's uh, he's definitely disappointed. Um, but the reason why why it is good is because he's like, okay, next year, let's go. Let's let next year starts now. Start time to start working. And um, I think that is a good lesson to learn. Uh, it sucks, but um, just keep working. And so he trained, you know, all off season and stuff. And um, he really doesn't miss practice ever. Um, he just took one day after he <laughs> didn't get nationals, but <laughs> he hasn't really missed another day since then. It's pretty awesome. A little motivation going into the spring and summer. How has the spring been and what's the plan for the summer? Are there going to be races with a group that's staying? Is there a training group that's staying that you're working with consistently here? Or how does the summer look? Um, we don't. Quincy does have an outdoor 50 meter pool, which is awesome here. And so I, I offered that, but kind of understandably, all of our international students, they, they want to go home. Some of them haven't been home since August. Um, so we always let our kids go home if they want to. Um, I think as we progress, we'll, we'll probably have a summer group. Like if we start having juniors and seniors and people that stay and have internships and other kind of things and like houses in town, we'll probably end up having a summer group, but we didn't have anybody this summer. Um, I mean, the spring went well, you know, we, we did our eight hours. Uh, we really focused on, um, just up enough time for it during the year, a lot of technique. We work on a lot of, a lot of body balance, streamlines, push-offs. It was just like back to basics, like age groups for, me, for the spring. Um, we did have some hard stuff. We had one of the hardest, I didn't really mean it to be one of the hardest sets. Um, it like really kicked their butts. It was on the last um, the last day. Um, we were just doing a bunch of 200 pace work and they, they're probably out of shape for about three months, but they <laughs> were really hurt. Um, so that was fun. So we did a couple uh, you know, good fast stuff, but we're really just trying to drill in technique and get some good habits going, um, which we spent pretty much the whole spring. And I actually think it was amazing. I actually think our strokes looked a lot better in April than they did in February, which is crazy to say. But um, and then we actually we we did some off the block stuff, and they were kind of like right on. It was, it was amazing. It really makes me think about like what, how much should we train? <laughs> like I feel like we always do better doing less and focus on technique. Um, cause we went that far off, um, where we were in some, certainly it's in fall dual meets, uh, when we were doing off the block stuff in like a random April practice, like we were kind of right on our times, um, not near taper times, but, um, I think we did the spring did well. Um, we're kind of, everyone's down. We just had a guy compete in, um, Tanzania nationals, which was exciting. He did some very good times down there. Um, that was in Tanzania, of course, but everyone's pretty much staying home. Um, they have some well-deserved time with their family and their club teams and, and be able to come back recharged for April or August. Yeah. Sounds like, uh, you know, you still got some middle ground to find between that more aerobic base and that, you know, less training, but I, it sounds like you're the, the guy to figure out that endless, I mean, question that coaches are always trying to tackle. It just seems like, program is in a good place. It's great to hear all the support that's going on from scholarships to equipment to, you know, having a staff with a GA as well. Um, you know, it's, it seems exciting. You got a, a, a stud swimmer and a great class coming in next year. Um, and Brian, it sounds like uh, they've got the right person to lead it. So uh, thank you for the perspective. We really appreciate you kind of 
taken us through these past two years. It's fascinating because we hear too much about programs getting cut. So it's really fun to hear about how a program starts back up. And um, it seems like that one's in a good place. So we really appreciate your time. I think so. It's exciting. And thank you for having me. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to ramble for an hour about <laughs> everything that we do. Well, I appreciated it too. Best of luck next season, Coach. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Swim Swam Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.